On today's episode, we're taking a little journey from Saskatoon to Toronto to Vancouver to San Francisco to Copen. Like, we're all the over way, the place. Yeah. Today is a story with Christy Peters. This is The Other 18. Dive in as we sit down with inspirational leaders who share their origin stories about the highs and lows, the yeses and nos, the wins and the blows of entrepreneurship. Welcome to The Other 18 with your hosts, Shane Chapman and Bryce Walanyuk. Welcome back, everybody. We are here in Saskatoon for the first time. Hey, live, Bryce. Live on location. Made the road trip. Well, We're pretty live. young in this little on, uh, entrepreneurial podcast journey. We're only a few episodes in. Yep. But it's the, been the plan since day one to get into Saskatoon and start learning about some of the entrepreneurs and businesses here. And so today we brought with us, thankfully... Christy Peters has joined us from Primal Pasta. We decided we're going to call your Primal Pasta now. is your current endeavor. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, you weren't busy today, I guess. Hey, you made time for this little unknown thing we got going on here. You were just <laughs> yeah. sitting around waiting for something to happen. Yeah, well, well, now that I'm down to one restaurant, I've um, pretty much <laughs> Freedom 35 over here. So. Freedom 35. Yeah, there you go. Um, she's loving the Corona time right now. I'm being off right. Um, so we always try to start off a little bit first with just learning about who the person is. Mm-hmm. Um, so your personal you life, kind of how, like where you grew up, if you're, you know, if you have family or married or any, any of that stuff. So just tell us a little bit, a little bit about you. Um, so I am just, um, have a partner. So, um, that's, I don't know, like I'm, I'm just a lady who works constantly at the restaurant. <laughs> so until this all happened and now I am doing I guess what people call meditation a lot, but I call it staring at the wall. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just into gardening and just all my kind of hobbies have become interwoven into my businesses. So like vintage shopping and hunting for vintage glassware. And I just love antiquing and things like that and gardening. So I grow the vegetables for the restaurant with a trained horticulturist that helps me out. Wow. So I, I learned from her, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, very, very simple life, honestly, just keeping it simple. Just running the restaurant, growing some vegetables. Yeah. Nice. Just doing what we all do. Yeah. yeah right. right? Just <laughs> exactly. So did you grow up in Saskatoon? Are you born and bred from Saskatchewan always? Yeah. Not always, but like grew up here. Yeah. I was born in North Battleford. Um, my cabin, my family has a cabin at Jackfish Lake, which is right by North Battleford. And they just happened to be up there by accident when I was born. So, <laughs> um, I was born in North Battleford, but I'm, I'm from born and raised in, or not born and but raised in Saskatoon. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. Nice. And so is there a shout out to a high school? Do you still keep track of your high school alma mater here? Yeah, a little bit. Like I went to Marion Graham, so that's go. in the North End. I'm a North Ender. Yeah. And all, all the the different people that work with me from all over the city, they, they said that they called the North Enders the North Ender Pretenders. So <laughs> I, I don't agree, but... <laughs> I'm happy to hear that there's a north-south divide in Saskatoon, just like there's in Regina. I was going to say, right? it's exactly like that in Regina, <laughs> yeah. too. That's awesome. Um, did you go to, I assume, university or, or culinary school, maybe, or something like that after high school? I actually went to U, the U of S, like the University of Saskatchewan, and I'm one credit away from a degree in sociology. 
Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, I but, know. I should really finish it. <laughs> should finish like, that up. I just really, like, <laughs> really think my dad really wants me to finish it. You I, could have done that today. I know. I think it's like a, what is it called when you can choose, pick whatever? Like oh, it's a, just like an, a free elective? Yeah, like an you elective. Could do, like, you could just it, pick like theater. Like beekeeping. Or, yeah, yeah, beekeeping. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go watch film 100. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I did go to university and I think that actually helped me get to where I am today. Um, especially like sociology seems like such a useless degree kind of, but, um, it really helped me like with the study of cities and societies mm-hmm. and how things work and people and things like that. Okay. So. I wondered if there was going to be like a tie in between your education <laughs> or if you just were like, if you're one of those people that is like, I took this, but I'm doing nothing related yeah, to that exactly, whatsoever. Right. Yeah. I, my business partner has a degree in psychology Oh. And so he sells he's kind of not really doing what he did either, but same, same as you, it kind of does relate though, when you're selling and relationships and just understanding how people think, like yep. at least that's how I justify it for him. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, what did you do? So you finished or just what finished school, then what did you get into this whole cooking thing right away? Or did you have other jobs you went through first? Mm, well, yeah, I guess you could say I've been working hard my whole life. Like, um, I got a paper out when I was 12. As soon as I could get a paid job, I got that paper out. And then when I was 14, I started working as a hostess at Boston Pizza. My uncle got me the job because I couldn't, I was a little 14 year old girl. Yeah. Like nobody wanted to hire me because I had zero experience. Um, so I've been in the restaurant business since I was 14 years old. Um, and then I've been just served all the way through university and things like that. And then after uh, university, I, well, I, I did always have the hobby of modeling. I wanted to, I was into dance and modeling and lots of really girly stuff. So um, finally I got picked up by a modeling agency in Toronto called Ford Models. And so I moved out to Toronto and did that for a year and a half. What was awesome. that like? Mm, it was really like challenging, but also really fun. And it was kind of like finally living my dream and doing just exactly what I wanted to do. Um, But then I realized there's a lot of downtime. So um, (laughs) I watched a lot of Food Network um, and I really started cooking for myself. And that was the first time I had lived uh, alone or like away from my parents as well. So sorry, how old were you when you moved out there? Um, I don't know. I'm like... Is it written on the board? She's somewhere? looking for I'm, our notes. I'm like, <laughs> nope. nope, we didn't so really dig that deep. The one thing I really need to work on is I'm really bad with time and years and things like that. Like I just all blends. It's all blends. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, but like I was probably like I was 19 when I moved out there. Okay. Yeah. But I had already been going to university. I took some time off university. It was kind of like all blending in. Fair um, enough. Yeah. But I eventually learned that I didn't have any concrete skills. So I mm. had my sociology thing going on, the modeling thing going on. But as I was getting older, I was realizing I need to learn a practical skill. Well, you realized that real early on. Yeah. I would so. say. Note to when self, did, when did find you learn my concrete skills. skills. <laughs> <laughs> Still searching. So I was thinking like welding or like. <laughs> really? Well, I just thought what's a good money-making skill. But then I thought, started thinking what's the most important um, like thing in life and what's the meaning of life. Like I got, I was mm. just such a weird, like deep thinker, like what's the point and everything. And, um, you did have a lot of time. Yeah. Right? Like I you're know. Just sitting well, at home thinking. I think a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so I realized 
I didn't know how to cook and I had always been in the restaurant or not the, yeah, the restaurant industry, but, um, and I'd always, always seen the restaurant tours that I'd worked for and thought their life was really glamorous. And, um, I realized the power of a restaurant comes from the kitchen. So Mm -hmm. if you don't have control over your kitchen, if your chef quits, then you don't have control over the main product that you're serving. And you're done. Yeah. So, and then I also thought you have to feed yourself three times a day. And even if you don't <laughs> become a chef or, or a restaurateur or, any, or anything, at least this one skill, that if you can learn it well, you'll be able to feed yourself and your family and entertain and have parties and Martha Stewart type stuff. Yeah. Like, I just thought this, this is like the most important thing in life to me, I think, is learning how to cook and how to entertain and how to do it well. So did you go straight from like... So did you start cooking just by watching the Food Network? Is that, was that your like, that was my, your intro? My int- that was a huge, that was what connected the two worlds basically. It was because I was modeling and I love that. And then there was all these casting calls in Toronto for um, being like a host of a cooking show or something, but it was all models and actors and mm. um, like hosts and yeah. things like that. But then there was also like the Gordon Ramsay type cooking shows and the Jamie Oliver ones and like the Rob Feeney ones yeah. where it's like a real chef. So I thought I could merge the two worlds and have someday my own cooking show. Maybe yeah. if I learned how to cook and then I was also in the modeling industry, I could kind of merge the two together. So that was what sparked me to, to do my thing. Cool. So did you get a rep? So did you look for a, um, a cooking job in Toronto right away? Um, well I had, I was feeling kind of like done with Toronto. And uh, so I, I was thinking other big cities, I'd like to try some other big cities. So, um, my favorite show on the food network was new classics with Rob Feeney. And that was the one cooking show that was shot out of Vancouver instead of Toronto. So, um, one of my also kind of like life motto things was I've, think if you want to do something, go find somebody who's doing what you're, what you want to do and go work for them and learn under them. So I thought I will go find Rob Feeney and find out how to be a chef with a cooking show. Holy smokes. Yeah. (laughs) So you just like flew over to Vancouver and picked everything up. I I had a stop off in Saskatoon to get my, get my shit together. Yeah. I'm allowed to say shit. You said you are allowed to say shit. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll say So yeah. um, (laughs) Everybody say it. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. So, um, I actually had like a six month stopover, um, in Saskatoon and I, I got a job at Earl's. <laughs> so, cause it was like the hot restaurant at yeah. the time here. Um, and I lied and said I had c- a kitchen experience cause I didn't want to go in the dish pit. Someone had prepped me and said, right. if you say you don't have experience, they're going to put you in the dish pit. So I didn't want to go in the Earl's <laughs> dish pit. So I said, Oh yes, I've got cooking experience. Very good. And then they just put me online and I did all the stations within six months and Holy smokes. yeah, it, I was like loving it. So I said, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to Vancouver to find Rob Feeney now. So did you ever work on the dish pit then? Um, <laughs> the sad part is, is this sort of kind of awful, but like I suck at dish pit still. And don't, I, I can't believe I fucking admitted that because the core of being a chef is being able to do all of the stations right. well. And especially dish pit, like just killing the dish pit. Like I've worked dish pit many times, yeah. especially at my own restaurant. So the dishwasher doesn't show up. I'm in the dish pit. Um, but I'm not, I'm not the best. Dish you know? pit's I'm, so hard. It's, I think it's the hardest Some people job. are awesome at yep. it and they just, they like the machine never stops running and everything comes out clean and they're just like on top of it. And I'm just like in the shit all the time. All in the, the dish time. Pit. Yeah. It's, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you feel like you're intentionally throwing that just so that you don't have to be there? Somebody's like, yeah, get out, yeah. go do yeah. something else. Oh, I'll take over. <laughs> like I've been kicked out quite a few times, yeah. but yeah. but honestly, it's the well most played. the most zen. <laughs> it's like the least. As a restaurant owner, I'm like, I'll I'll go in the dish pit. It's it's like the least right? stressful. Dishes part Dishes come in. Yeah, dishes, dishes get go, clean. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> just focus on this thing and like then. But yeah, I go, I've been kicked out quite a few times. It's yeah. pretty bad. Amazing. Okay, so we we started in Saskatoon, went to Toronto for was it a couple of years that you were there um, or not? That long. Yeah, a couple of years. A couple yeah. of years. Okay. Back to Saskatoon for a pit stop before. Yes. And I, I should say during that pit stop, or <laughs> this is where the years are confusing. Um, I guess during that pit stop, I decided that I wanted to buy a house. And so before I had left for Toronto, I had saved, I'd worked, at, like I said, in the restaurant industry. So I was working mm -hmm. at two different restaurants and also like this other telemarketing job. I was working three jobs because this is like an aside. When I was 16, I wanted to move out of my house and I was working at Boston Pizza. And at the time to rent an apartment in the North End, it was $350 a month. And I just was like, I'm going to be living paycheck to paycheck for the rest of my life mm -hmm. if I rent this apartment. And so what am I going to do? So I went to the bank. I got like dressed up in my little business suit and like a little briefcase and was like, hello, I'm here for a <laughs> bank meeting. And luckily I had this awesome banker, this woman who took me seriously. Like many others yeah. were like, okay, whatever. Sure, whatever. Yeah. But this <laughs> woman said, okay, come into my office. We'll have a meeting. Like, what do you want? And I said, I, I want to buy a house. And she was like, no. <laughs> well, basically she said no. And then yeah. I said, well, I don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Oh my God. So, this is already my favorite podcast. We're <laughs> 10 minutes in. Well, so I said, what do I have to do to buy a house? Like I, I want to know. And yeah. she said, okay, well, first thing you could do is start a home buyer's RRSP because you have to put a down payment on a house and you don't have any savings. Second thing you have to do is establish credit. And I said, well, how do I do that? So she said, we'll get you a little credit card. You buy a pack of gum, pay it off. And then you've got good credit. Yeah. So she gave me this little $500 limit credit card and I maxed it out one time <laughs> and then I couldn't pay it off and it scared the shit out of me. So I still to this day have that as my personal credit card with a little $500 limit because I've learned that lesson early like thank god it wasn't like a ten thousand dollar yeah yeah because they just hand those things out like candy yeah so it's like my little like thing that's like my symbol of like don't get too far in debt right <laughs> and wow. then the other thing was um she said without a co-signer i would need to this was years ago so i needed five thousand dollars down on the house i wanted and i need without a co-signer because my parents refused to help me they said i should go to university and get married and then mm -hmm. buy a house and all this stuff so um she said I needed to get my income above $20,000 to be approved on my own without a co-signer. So that's why I got two more jobs. Three jobs. Yeah. And then just to get my income up above that amount so that I could get approved. Um, so then I must've gone off modeling and then I still had all that savings and all that stuff in my mind of what I was going to do. Um, came back and got approved for the mortgage and bought a house. Wow. Yes. In between Toronto and, and Vancouver, Vancouver. Yes. You, I bought a house. You stopped in for six months to buy a house yes. in Saskatoon. Yeah. And so then that's where I was living while I was working at Earl's. Like I really, as soon as, cause I didn't want to live back with my parents when I came mm -hmm. back from Toronto. So that's why I was, house I time. had to get this yeah. house. And, um, I found this amazing realtor as well, um, who loved working with women and, um, like supporting women and whatever. So, uh, she found me an awesome deal on the West side. Cause I said, I just want a tiny shack on the West side. Like I've heard <laughs> that you can buy one for like $50,000. Like just, I don't, I know it's dangerous for me, but I just don't care. I want 
four walls around yeah. me that are that I own that I'm putting money into my own pocket. Um, and she found me this awesome um, one with a suite in it. So there was already oh, uh, th- these people living upstairs in this nice, it was more than I could afford, but because there was a suite and I could prove that I was renting it, I was able to get approved for more. So um, I lived in the, the shitty basement suite and rented yeah. out the nice part to the people upstairs. And I just lived in my little suite and I loved it. And I got my mortgage covered by the people upstairs. And then I wanted to move to Vancouver. So I got my dad to my sweet dad. The, see, I couldn't do it without help from my parents, <laughs> but he was like the property manager. So he got renters in their form. Like I got the renters and then yeah. he managed it while I was gone. Wow. Yeah. So then your dad was working for you when you were 22. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the hell? My dad's still working for me. He's oh, our bottle amazing. man. Really amazing. <laughs> yeah. oh, so good. Um, but yeah, so then I basically went to find Rob Feeney. So how did you, how did you even start looking for like, obviously he's got restaurants and stuff, but you wanted to work at where he was going to be. Yes. Right? Yes. And his restaurant at the time was the best restaurant in Canada. It was called Lumiere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought I will go to Vancouver and I will make a list of the best restaurant to the worst restaurant. And I will start at the top. I will start applying at the top and I'll work my way down and I will f- find out where I fit in. And so I went, I got dressed up in my, my sexy little outfit. Like I had, I don't know what I was thinking, why I thought I had to wear my heels and my nice pants and my little sexy shirt. And then I went and tried the door at Lumiere and with my resume and it was, it was locked, but there was a door right next to it. So I opened that door and walked right in and I was like, Oh, this, this isn't crazy. Like, and yeah. so then I asked the hostess who, if I could speak to the, the chef and she said, yep. So I sat down, um, the chef that came out was a woman, which I was not expecting. I thought Rob Feeney would himself would have right, been there. Right. Yeah. But, um, he actually was there. Like while I was waiting for the, the chef to come out, um, he, I could see him walking around in the background and he had like makeup and stuff. Like he was shooting, He's shooting something. Yeah. He was shooting something. So I was like, Oh my God. Um, so she sat me down and was just like, do you have any experience? And I said, very little. And she said, do you have a knife? I said, no. She said, well, you're going to need to go buy a knife. And she taught, she said, this is what you should look for in a knife. And she said, come back Friday. We'll give you a sink or swim chance and we'll see what you got. So, so first place Lumiere, you walk in and they give you a shot. So I walk out the door, turn around and look up and it says Feenies. And I'm like, what's Feenies? And so I guess like Lumiere and Feenies were like, the buildings are connected. And so Lumiere was locked. Feenies was open. Okay. I luck, honestly, luckily I landed at Feeney's because I was in over my head and Lumiere's for the big boys, but yep. the, I did get a, to learn a lot. Like we shared the same walking cooler and we shared mm-hmm. the same loading dock and the same back hallways and stuff. So I, I did get to rub shoulders with the Lumiere guys, but thank God I ended up at Feeney's because <laughs> it was a lot. This is amazing. I got to admit when, when, cause Bryce knows you a little bit before this, I didn't at all. And so I was kind of doing my research and I, my question was always like, well, how did she end up? Like, how did she end up on the TV? Like, I wonder how this all happened. And now after talking to you for 15 minutes, you just, you just go get it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like everything. Yeah. Like I'm going to be a model. Okay. Model. Now I'm going to work here. Okay. I'm going to shit my way into the, like, and then I'm going to buy a house. And then I'm going to, and then yeah, I'm, like yeah, everything like 16, is 16. Yeah. Yeah. Like cool. you're driven. Oh man. I, I don't know. My dad said 
to me when I was young, like you don't have to be, it was for like a track race. Like you don't have to be the fastest. You just have to be the most determined. And I was like, that stuck with me. And I, yeah, was I guess like, so. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to win this. Like <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm not yeah. going to take no for an answer. Amazing. So you're at Feeney's now in Vancouver. You, you're renting there, presumably. Yep. We didn't buy another house. Yes. No, I, I was renting there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. And Sleeping so, on a friend's couch actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so how long were you at Feeney? Um, uh, well, as soon as I got to Feeney's, um, I got trained by Kyle, who is the, it's a weird loop in the story is he was the first guy to train me, but now he's my business partner. Okay. So, um, anyway, so I met him there. I stayed there for about two years and did almost all the stations. I couldn't get to the meat station. I just, I, we got like the new chef that was, a, uh, he was a jerk and, I couldn't, he didn't like women just in the kitchen. Want, yeah. He just didn't, didn't want you on the meat station. Didn't think women could do the meat station. So I, um, some guys from Lumiere were opening, um, they were opening their own restaurants cause they were starting to like kind of graduate into. Mm -hmm. So I worked under one of the sous chefs at Lumiere at his new restaurant and I did work all the stations there and I did make it to meats and that state, that restaurant was doing whole animal butchery. So oh, cool. the meat station was getting a whole pig once a week and butchering it down from whole pig down to like every sausage yeah. and down to putting it on the plate for the, the guests. So I learned, luckily I did that meat station instead. So yeah. instead of, yeah. And that kind of like cool. formed what, your visions of that restaurants was a huge were part, from there? Yeah, a huge part of forming my philosophy of whole animal butchery for Primal. and um, I feel like you went from not knowing how to cook craft dinner in your kitchen in Toronto <laughs> yeah. to, to like the most prestigious restaurant in Vancouver, or at least rubbing shoulders with, like yeah. in a very short amount of time. It, it was a very short amount of time for sure. It was crazy. Even like I had to make staff meal one time, like the first time I ever had to make staff meal at Feeney's it like, I was just like so scared and so screwed. Like I didn't not, I was like, I know how to make this perfect tuna tartare that's on the Feeney's menu, but I don't know how to make like, a, like spaghetti bolognese. Like I've yeah. never cooked for my family. I've never cooked for anybody. I never knew how to cook. So <laughs> I had to get like the guys to help me do staff meal and talk me through it. And then I did it. And then yeah, slowly, I still, to this day, I'm not like, the best home cook like I'm a restaurant cook and I'm learning like this is what I'm learning now I'm like taking time to learn how to be a home cook now and right. make small batches of things and <laughs> not, um, not a not, big yeah. <laughs> 40 pound pot of something exactly. big cauldron of spaghetti <laughs> yeah um, okay so then what happens after this so you've kind of got your way into like a fairly good restaurant chef job yeah and then but you don't stay in Vancouver for long I don't think no so well, I did the whole time I was in Vancouver was about seven years. So that's oh, wow. long. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So th that was like Feeney's. And then I worked at, Lu or at um, Chow, which was this, the Lumiere guy's restaurant. And then another Lumiere guy had a restaurant called Bonita. And Bonita was in Gastown in Vancouver. And that was record breaking at the time because it was like only like needle exchanges and like it was like Pigeon Park and it was mm -hmm. scary down there. So they opened this beautiful, like casual fine dining restaurant right in the heart of Gastown. It was one of the first restaurants in Gastown. So I worked there, which also was like a light bulb moment for me. So it's like the whole animal, animal butchery and the composting that they did at Chow and then yeah. going to opening a f casual fine dining restaurant in the middle of kind of the ghetto Yeah, it was a huge like click in my brain for what I was going to do in the future. And then I ended up 
going, I wanted to see more and see whatever's, what's going on in the world, you know? So I went to uh, Spain and I went to Amsterdam. Oh, geez. And so in Amsterdam, I worked at a restaurant called De Kos, which meant the glass in um, Dutch. So it was an old abandoned greenhouse where they grew all of their own vegetables. They turned it into a restaurant. It was massive. It was all made of glass and they grew all their own vegetables for the restaurant. So, That's so cool. So what, just before you get too far ahead, why... Why did you choose those locations? Had you been there before? Or um, was actually, my my uh, partner, um, Kyle, so we're together now, and he's my business partner. Um, we or He decided he wanted to travel Europe, and I said, hey, you're my best friend. If anything happens in Europe, you let me know. Like, I'll come down. Like, we, when you're in the kitchen, like, the guys that I was worked at Feeney's with, to this day, are still, like, my closest friends. I feel like we were in the army together. Like, yeah. so, like, we had each other's backs. It was, like, one of those things where we'd work together for 12 hours a day and then go out drinking, and whoever didn't have any money, some, one of us would cover the bill, and the next time oh, someone man. else would cover the bill, we'd help each other cover our rent. Like, we were just, like, the closest. Right. And so, yeah, I said, if, you, if you're in Europe and every, anything happens, let me know. I'll come down and... I kind of wanted to go to Europe too. So I was kind of hoping <laughs> something like, would happen. You're like, come on, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, he had yeah. a rough night in, in England and um, got got in a fight. And <laughs> oh, I got a headache. I'll be right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. there. I'll be right there. <laughs> so then he's, he had family in Amsterdam. So he said, I'm, I'm just going to hightail it down down to Amsterdam. And he's part he's half Dutch. So um, me, he's like, I'm just going to go to my family's place. And if you want to come down, you can stay there. And I said, well, I'm only coming down if I can get a cooking job. So then I applied for the cooking job at the... I, what I thought was the best restaurant in Amsterdam at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I worked there for a while and learned a lot about growing your own vegetables and how that can work in a vegetable forward restaurant. Um, and then Spain traveled around there, learned a lot about charcuterie and making sausage and just like um, the beautiful products that they have yeah. there. And then, uh, yeah, then I, I like went back to Vancouver to work the Olympics just because they needed some help, which was fun. What? That was an aside. That was wild. <laughs> Team Canada won the hockey game. I was there. It was crazy. Um, and then I decided it's time to move back to Saskatoon and open a restaurant. Okay. Holy smokes. Yep. So it's like every, every I'm stop exhausted. you just pick. Hey? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, can we pause it. this and just like go take a break? <laughs> <laughs> like, did you, did, at some point you were in San Francisco as well. No? Yes. Yes, I forgot about, I knew it, I knew it. I was like, there's something I'm missing. Yes, um, one of my friends that worked at Bonita was from San Francisco. So um, again, I connected with him and said, I'm coming down to San Francisco. The, the One of the top restaurants in San Francisco is called Qua, uh, run by Daniel Patterson. He mm-hmm. like is a good friend of um, David Chang and like Rene Redzepi. And yep. So I went and worked for him for just just a quick month, did a stage there. And then I also worked for J- uh, Jeremy Fox, who had Ubuntu at the time. But now, oh, cool. yeah, I just loved vegetable forward restaurants and I thought he was really cool. And I got to work like directly with him at the time, which was really cool. He was having a really oh, weird man. time in his life. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I gathered all this information. I was like the whole time I was just gathering information like cherry picking from each place yeah and even at Feeney's when I first got there they said um like what's your deal little girl or whatever and I said <laughs> um I'm gonna open my own restaurant in Saskatoon and they all laughed and said oh what like why would you there's nothing but like trailer parks and yeah whatever down there like why would you go back <laughs> to Saskatoon and I was just like because that's like my home where my family and my friends are and mm-hmm. it's like super meaningful to me to bring something back to there. So the whole time I was out on this journey, I was like 
writing down things, writing menus, collecting information, just trying to like figure out what kind of place I wanted to open. Wow. And every restaurant I worked at, I felt like there was a few things missing that I, I, I would do this a little bit more. Like I would, I would go harder with the compost program or I would like, or this one that had an awesome vegetable program didn't do the whole animal butchery. And I just, I was like, I just want to like tie all this stuff Merge together. It all together. That's so, so cool. Finally, I realized that you don't have to be old to like, so lots of people are like, you have to be a chef for like at least 10 years before you can even call yourself a chef. And da, 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 da. I was just like, no man, like this is going to take a lot of energy and a lot of time. And I'm, like I'm going for it now. So I think I was 26 when I came back to open the restaurant. Wow. I don't know if any of that math works out, but it doesn't <laughs> I matter. Like I, I do know that I was no 20, 26 in 2011, and which is when we opened Hollows. So. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So the story is amazing. I just feel like a lot of people, when they want something, they start, they know to start at the bottom and then they work their way up and you just, you consistently were like, where's the best place I can work? Start yeah. at the top and then best place in Vancouver, filter down. best place in Copenhagen, yeah. best place in San Francisco, put me there and Absolutely. got yourself there. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. So did you think at some point, because you weren't a foodie necessarily growing up, you weren't into it. It didn't sound like you she didn't even cook care, oh. but <laughs> now you're obviously passionate about it. Why do you think that this resonated with you? Like you, you found this out of necessity. It's like, like yeah. I have to make food for myself at some point. Yeah. How did it become such a fantastic passion you never knew about before? Well, I think the food was like the one missing piece because I've always had the passion to entertain people. And like I've, my grandmother used to throw these amazing garden parties and I, I've always just been obsessed with Martha Stewart. I wanted, you know, the perfect home. Mm -hmm. If a guest ever came, I'd, I'd have ice ready in the, I, like perfect ice cubes <laughs> and with flowers in them. And I just wanted so badly to like be the ultimate host yep. and the alt, like being able to throw parties with like everything perfect. But I didn't have the food part down. And mm. so that was also why working in restaurants appealed to me was because it's like every night you're like hosting a party and you're mm -hmm. like, I, you're, I just love that idea of hosting the atmosphere and, and everything. Love yeah. that. So that was the, the food was the one missing piece, but I had always been very passionate about like ho hosting and parties and Martha Stewart. <laughs> cool. That's cool. Yeah. So the food just kind of tied it all together and gave you a reason to host the party. Yeah, exactly. So you moved back to Saskatoon in 20, around 2011. That's when you started the hollows anyway. Yes. Yeah. So how did that happen? Why did you feel like that was the time? Why did you feel like you were ready to now open your own restaurant and, I've, I've talked to like the, actually I, I had talked to the chef of the original chef of Lumiere was, um, that worked under Rob Feeney was Marc-Andre, um, Choquette. And he was one of the, he, he's who put that place on the map. Mm -hmm. And I actually got to go on like a dirt bike trip with him weirdly. Like Kyle was of my course. partner. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. He <laughs> of course. was dirt biking in Vancouver and Marc-Andre was getting into dirt biking. So somehow we ended up, I ended up in a truck with him, like driving a long ways and I kind of picked his brain and he, I realized he was like 22 or something when he had, when he was the chef of Lumiere and put it on the map. Oh, and whoa. so that, that's the other thing that clicked in my brain. I was like, Oh my God, I'm like 25. Like I can do this. Like, right? like I'm behind schedule. Like yeah. this guy has made this place famous at 21 or whatever. So that, that's what the other piece. So I was like, no, I I'm young and I'm inexperienced, but I, I can do this and I got to do it now. I just, I knew it was time. So then to do it, back to the bank, you know, yeah, here I am back. Same briefcase, same, same suit, suit, a little older, a little, little tighter. Yeah. And yeah. So back to the bank and I'm man, that one I, was tough. Cause like, I don't take no for an answer, but I walked in there and I was just like, 
I want to open a restaurant. And they all were like, like fuck no. Like, they're like, maybe if you're opening like a Tim Hortons, we could like work something out. Cause that's like a sure thing. But like yeah. restaurants are way too risky. We do not. And I'm like, I've been with this bank since I was like 16. Like you guys aren't going to believe in me for a restaurant. They're like, no, no, of course not. Like, <laughs> of restaurants, course not. Why are you even thinking that's yeah, a thing? And so that really crushed me. And I didn't really know what to do, but then I, so I, I set up a second meeting with, um, I found out some more information and I set up a second meeting with that, that person's boss. Cause I was like, let me speak to your, not, <laughs> not manager, but I was just like, I need to go about, like, you went full Karen on the, before I, Karen's I, were even I guess, thing. I guess I did, but I had to be done. I didn't want to yep. take no for an answer. Good so you. then I, I had the second meeting and I said, I want to, I want to open a restaurant. And they said, no, like how much do you think you would need? I said, I don't, this is even funnier. Uh, I don't know, $20,000. Um, and they were like, uh, like we can't give it to you if it's for a restaurant. And so then I like turned my chair around, turned my chair back to them and said, hello, I'd like a personal loan, please. And they were like, are you going to use this for a restaurant? And I said, no, <laughs> I'm going to buy a boat. And so they, they knew I was going to use it for a restaurant, but they couldn't prove it. And they had to give me the loan because Shut I was, up. I was good for it because I had the house for collateral. Oh my, oh God. my God. Boom. So I like, I had that house saved me. And so I like took out the 20,000 with my house on the line. Um, it's a personal line of credit. And then we found the hollow space, which took a year to find because we weren't looking for that crazy monstrosity. Mm -hmm. Like we were looking for something we could maybe even buy or something small that we could just run the two of us. And then we just found nothing. And finally, when we walked into that space, it was just magical. And it was like a time capsule from the sixties and it was untouched and the landlords were willing to give us cheap rent. And it was in the middle of the ghetto, which was same just as Bonita, right where you wanted it to be. Yeah. Which I, in my mind, I was like, this is right by the river. This is right by downtown. This is right by Broadway. This is the next up and coming neighborhood. Like if I, cause I use my sociology degree to think, how do cities work? I'm looking at big city models. This is how the cycles work. And so I was like, this is where we need to be. So you're saying we, Kyle, Kyle like, you guys are in this together already at this point. Like yes, you're both. So I basically w cooking with the, like him and my other buddies from Feeney's, I was just like, I need, I need a buddy here. And I, and I loved cooking with Kyle. He made it so fun every day. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I can't do like, I, I don't want to cook without him. It's just, it be, wouldn't be as fun. Right. So it was so fun working with him. So yeah. So I convinced him like, through telling him many tales of the land of opportunity, I would call Welcome it. Welcome to Saskatoon. The land of opportunity, it's the wild west. We can get motorcycle licenses because he could. He had his like his N for driving in Vancouver, and he like he couldn't get a motorcycle license because it's like a million steps to get like a gun license. Like so, I was like Saskatoon, we can get gun licenses, you can just motorcycle do it licenses, boat licenses. We can get licensed up out there. It's the wild west. We can do whatever we it's want. It's what we do out there. We just collect licenses. Yeah. Collect licenses. So he was sold, and so he came down. And yeah, so we got the hollows in 2011 and we had $20,000 to get it up and running. What was his reaction when he got here? You told him all this stuff and then did he ever call you on it and be like, this isn't exactly how you painted this picture or um, did he love it right away? Well, the, he, the winter was... 
the first winter oh, was yeah. tough. Hey. And then also the the like mosquitoes. He was like, what the mm. fuck is this? Like, <laughs> there's like wasps and mosquitoes I, all over my face. Yeah, and I'm like, I always <laughs> forget about mosquitoes until they come back. Yeah, well, and they don't have them in Vancouver. Like, right. They like have like none. Like, it's like everywhere. Like, it's like a rainforest with yeah. no bugs. It's just like beautiful there. Yeah. So yeah, but he, he loves it now because he's really into hunting and he's got a bunch of motorcycles and he's just got, he owns houses and stuff like that where you could never do any of that stuff in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So right. the land of opportunity. The land yeah. of opportunity. It followed through. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys found a building. Yep. And then we had the $20,000 to get it going. Um, they gave us one month of free rent to get it cleaned and ready. And we got an army of our friends to come and help us scrub it. It was just like scrubbing all the grease, painting a few things, and yeah. it, was, it was rough. Like, so let me tell you, it was it was crazy. So for those of those people who don't know, what was it before oh, it yeah. was the Hollows? So it was the Golden Dragon restaurant for over 50 years, owned by the same family. So it was a Chinese restaurant for over 50 years. The parts of the building were over 100 years old. That's so cool. Yeah, it was super beautiful and really well designed and built and everything and like no one saw the value in it it was Mm -hmm. it was left abandoned for seven years they were trying to lease it out for seven years and nobody would take it what happened to that restaurant why did it go out of business um because they're tearing down the building like any day now so fire inspector like after we were in there for almost nine years and the building was starting to completely fall apart the landlords did not want to put any money into the building i I can't blame them for that because now that I've like kind of looked into it, it's like the amount of grandfather clauses that are in that building. If they would have done a few little tweaks, they would have opened up a can of worms mm-hmm. where oh, yeah. nothing would have been to code and they yeah. would have had to do, redo the electrical of the entire building. And the, it, Oh, it would have been a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So I understand. Is it, I haven't, I've never heard this before. I'm just curious. Is it a bad omen to move into a building where a former restaurant didn't make it? Is that a thing? Uh, well, the Golden Dragon made it. Like it, they are fifty years. Well, yeah, but like, but it, but it. I don't know if it moved just because of the building. Is it still? Did oh it no, the Golden Dragon just went, uh, or they just decided to call it quits because they had been in business for over fifty years, and the third generation of family was all like put through expensive schools. I think like they were all like educated doctors, lawyers. I don't know. Gotcha. So they just they didn't, didn't want, want to run a the, restaurant anymore. They were just yeah. cashing out. Yeah. Okay. So there okay. was no. They couldn't really find anyone to run it anymore. So how did you had twenty grand? Yeah. How did this? There's a big gap here for me. You find this dilapidated old building that needs a lot of work and you have $20,000. Oh, we didn't do any work. We just cleaned it. Yeah. Yeah. We just let, because the other passion I do have, which I could have mentioned at the beginning is design. I love, I think I have a a really good eye for like seeing the beauty in things. Mm -hmm. And so I took one look at that place. Everyone else looked at it and was like, oh, we're going to have to gut this place. And I looked at it and was like, oh no, this is, this is good. We just need to shine this up. Yeah. Yeah. And like put a few decor put some of my antiques in there and like shine it up and we can make the beauty of this place come alive again. So yeah, we did it with a shoestring budget. Like we put no money into it. Like we bought an ice machine cause they didn't have an ice machine. Yeah. So the kitchen was for the mo- most oh, part yeah. was, so it was a, already. It was a turnkey operation. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So it was like all the tables and chairs were there. Like everything was still there. Plates and sh- like everything. Yeah. Wow. It was like untouched. It was like there was still fat in the fryer. Like there was still pans on the <laughs> for stove seven years. Them. There was still <laughs> old moldy beer in the walk-in. There was amazing. It was fucked up in there. Like, it was so <laughs> fucked. Like, like they just left one day and decided not to yeah, show back up. It's the like next they got morning. raided or something. Yeah. Like it was like <laughs> they just dropped it and left. Like it was. Are you yeah. one of those people that believes in fate? Do you think that happened for a reason, or was this just like I went out there and looked hard enough that I found something? I don't. I think it was just my eye and my knowledge that like 
it was a good neighborhood and a, the, the, the building was gorgeous. But I think to the untrained eye, no one would have seen that. And everybody mm-hmm. wanted to come and tell me how crazy I was to open across from the Salvation Army, which was like a, like a halfway house thing. Yeah. And everybody was like, well, you can't have a Shop restaurant around here. Shop and dine. Yeah. Like it was crazy. <laughs> like, so no one thought it was a good idea. I remember the first time I went to the hollows and my wife and I walked past it probably like 10 times before we realized it was there. Yeah. Well, the outside of the building kind of looks a little shitty. Yeah. And like, there's a tiny little hollow sign in the window. Yeah. That, that was the only thing I yeah. turned, turned to my left and I was like, Oh, it's right here. Yeah. And we don't do any, we never did any advertising the yeah. whole time. I refused to pay for advertising. I was like, we are word of mouth and that will, I have faith in that. Mm-hmm. So what you just started with friends and family and, and let them go tell the yeah. preach the gospel. Did, how long did it take you from the time you took possession of the building and started cleaning and opened? One month. Get out of here. We worked like tirelessly for that entire month, but it was because we only had free. I was so scared about failing in the restaurant business because I heard so many stories about that. There's like 0% profit and like that everyone fails in the first year and all this, Mm -hmm. like the horror stories. And I basically every restaurant I mentioned to you that I worked for in Vancouver is out of business now. So like, I was so scared that I was like hyper, like I was like, we have one month free rent. We have one month to get this (laughs) shit cleaned up and get, start making money. We are not paying rent without money coming in. So was it good? Yeah. When you opened, was it, were you ready? Like, was it a good experience? Well, we were like ready, but then like, I couldn't like, I never, you know, you never feel ready. Like you're never ready enough. You just, it's like to dive in is so scary. So one of my buddies from Feeney's came down and gave me a push and like he, he came down from Vancouver and said, all right, you've got this thing. You're ready. But like, we're, we're ordering food. We're ordering time. He's like, when we order the seafood, then you have to open because it'll go bad. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh no. So like we ordered the seafood, we got the, like we got not the seafood, but the local Saskatchewan trout or whatever. <laughs> the, but, <laughs> the lake <laughs> food. Yes, the lake trout. So yeah, we like he gave me a push, and we were off and running, and we never looked back. And it was busy off the start. It was scary. It was terrifying. Oh, wow, and that was 2011. Yeah. 2011 you open. Wow. Yeah. Whirlwind. No kidding. And then you do it again three yeah. years later. So, yeah, like. <laughs> Like obviously it went well, yes. yep. then you do it again. Well, so. actually the thing that pushed us to do it again was the fact that the we had signed only like short-term leases with this building the whole time because mm-hmm. we weren't sure what was happening with the building and everything. And after three years, the lease we had to sign, they were dragging their feet on it. And it was almost time for us to like for the lease to be over and they hadn't gotten back to us. So oh. that's when we started getting scared and that's why we looked at... Um, like we were like, we need some security. We need to find another location just in case this go, falls through. So primal wasn't necessarily primal in the beginning. No. It was a secondary mm-hmm. location for the hollows. It was like a, well, a, a, you're going to move the hollows potentially. Well, it was like a safety net, like in case we had to. Um, and then, and then we ended up and with two restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even like, <laughs> This is amazing. Uh, now shit's just falling in place. You're not yep. even trying to do. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Okay, so how d- I've I've never been. I was never at the Hollows. Um, how did it differ from Primal as far as the menu goes? Or the experience back in 2014. Did um, you differentiate them, or were they oh, very yeah. similar experiences? No, very very different. Like once the Hollows was like done by some kids, 
like when we were kids and it was a labor of absolute love. Like it was anything magical or cool that I thought in the world, Mm -hmm. like we did and without any kind of thought towards streamlined efficiency. Like there was, there was definitely like thought for efficiency and stuff like that, but it's like, I want a handmade doily beneath every teapot. And I want <laughs> only like Royal Albert China that we like we yeah. find in the thrift stores. And I want like each dish to like be magical and different in its own way. And like, it was just like I, we compost every single thing and we wash our own laundry. It was like a homestead. Like it was like a full circle. Cool. Nothing left the building. Ever. Yeah. Like we had zero garbage. Like we had one dumpster at that place that we got picked up once a month and it was like never full. Like nothing ever went in it because we, we just gardened the vegetables so we wouldn't have much packaging. And then we would use the vegetables. We would use the entire vegetable. Like all, we'd use the carrot tops and the beet stems and yeah. like everything and like whatever little bit would go into the compost. And then there was like no waste. That's so cool. Because, yeah. What was the biggest thing so you had all these aspirations of what it should be the hand cut doilies all this stuff what was the biggest thing that you had to to not do that you really wanted to do because of time or money like what did you have to table give for up, later yeah yeah what'd you have to give up um for hollows or yeah or when just, we well for hollows we spared no expense we did not get like everything i did i did everything like we did whole animal butchery you never had to like let go of anything you no, want to really? i did everything i wanted to do I swear, like if wow. I would have wanted to do it, I, I did it. Like the, that place was my laboratory where I experimented with anything I wanted to experiment with and do whatever we wanted to do. Um, I can't even think like we had bees, a beehive on the roof. We wanted to try and make our own honey. <laughs> <It's part of laughs> yeah. Like we, we did just insane shit there. Like, are, wait, are you serious about that? Yeah. Yeah. Like you were actually trying to like you, you wanted the beehive I there wanted, and you were going to get honey from it. Yes. I wanted like in-house honey, like we were, we were doing crazy shit. Like we, <laughs> that's <yeah>. so cool. <laughs> we were trying to grow our own mushrooms. Like we were, we had a garden in the basement with like all our like herbs and everything. And that's when we got the horticulturist involved because we, I wanted a hor- like a professional to help us do these winter gardens in the basement. And like the place was like a, like we could have bunkered down there in the apocalypse anytime. Like it was, we were, it was your own biodome. Yeah, Did you, I oh, gotta, yeah. I gotta go back to it. Did you get, did you farm the honey? Did you get honey? We did honey get from the, honey from and the you roof, served, like, and we did serve our roof honey and honeycomb on our cheese plate. Yeah. Oh, so and did, cool. were, is that was that part of your story? Like, did you yep. tell people like you're getting honey yeah. from the roof? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like, like we, oh our, God, it was. So, I want to. Part of the hollows was the story. Mm-hmm. Like it was like yeah, a magical so story. Cool. Like everything had a reason and it had meaning behind it, and it was just so beautiful. Like, like every single thing was intentional yeah. and from like the incense that we would burn in like in the, the men's bathroom because it always smelled like piss in there. Um, <laughs> but it was like this beautiful like housemaid, like, oh, it was so beautiful. And then the beeswax candles we would burn on the tables and like the compostable straws we would use. And like, that was like way before straws were like evil. And um, like, we were just super environmental and just really um, all about the guest experience being a high quality experience. Like mm-hmm. even getting a cocktail, we had this special ice, br- like ice machine brought in that they use in San Francisco that makes inch by inch, beautiful cocktail cubes. But then we would serve it in only like crystal. Like we would get all these vintage crystal rocks glasses. Cause I yeah. wanted people to pick up the glass and feel the quality of that glass with that beautiful ice and then all premium spirits and just beautiful wine. Like we, we spared no expense at this restaurant. Like it was a full labor of love. So that's why when we opened primal, it was like, okay, let's, 
figure like let's tr- make something that makes sense here <laughs> like this is fucking killing me like it's hard but it's hard but i never worked a day in my life because i loved every minute of yeah. it doing it do you like i'm so sad that i don't get to go back and just like ex- like see this unfolding yeah this like this story i want to yeah. be there was it harder this might seem like a silly question but it makes sense to me was it harder to open the hollows the first time being your first restaurant or was it harder to open primal being your second one that maybe your expectations were higher with. Yeah, I think, I think it was harder to open primal. They were, they were both really easy to be honest, but like, I think it was harder (laughs) to open primal because I knew, I already knew too much, you know, like I, I didn't have that, that ignorance is bliss. Right. Um, so I knew what I was in for, but once again, we just did it for $20,000. That's like my restaurant thing. Oh, I don't like, this is like, I feel like bragging, but I know. like, break away. So you like, you've earned, that's the point. You've earned this, a little yeah. bit of bragging. Okay. There. And I, well, I don't, I still have to get, learn the hard lesson in life. You know how people say like, don't like, it's rude to talk about money and numbers. Yeah. I still haven't learned that the hard way, really. Like <laughs> I, I don't see why it's that rude. I'm right. like, I just want to learn. I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So the house that I bought, I bought for $86,000. And then I, when we started getting nervous about the golden dragon building and how the landlords wouldn't fix it, we were like, to have security in the restaurant business, we need to own the building. Like then we need to, right. and we tried to buy the golden dragon building multiple times and they wouldn't let us, we did not have the money to do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, so then when we were looking at spaces, we saw the primal space was available for sale. And so I was able to sell the house that I had bought for $250,000 and use that money to put down on the commercial space, which is primal. So that was like a huge win for us. Like we're like, we are our own landlords. We can like be in control now. So you bought, you must've bought your house in like the early two thousands when things, when there was like the mass exodus to Calgary, this whole province. It Mm -hmm. was like, and then sold in 20, whatever. I bought it like, like way before the boom. Like it was crazy. Took full advantage. Yeah. Awesome. And so basically, Oh yeah, we did the $20,000 thing again. We cleaned up Primal. It was an uh, again an uh, old Asian restaurant. So um lots of grease and lots of neglect, but <laughs> Asian restaurants get nervous when she walks in. <laughs> yeah. like, Christie's walked Get out of here. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Stop looking at things. You're looking at things too much. Yeah, I not I did I did not mean to say that like Asian restaurants have a lot of grease and neglect, but like just the two that I came across did. Yeah. But um I, there's lots of beautiful ones out there. Yeah. Um but the yeah i had to use like like lye like that you make soap with well i was making my own soap at the hollows as well out of all the leftover animal fat for the bathrooms and like the liquid hand soap so i had all this lye and there was like so much grease on the wall at primal that it was like three inches thick so i just like sprayed it with lye until it all melted (laughs) it was really cool Uh, cool. (laughs) would have made made a great instagram video i know that was like kind of like before instagram too right yeah i don't know that's a cool thing you built these on this word of mouth back when yeah. Like that was real. Like yeah. people actually had to talk to another person mm-hmm. and yeah. maybe, right? Back. It was crazy. I mean, it was out there, but just not to the extent it is now. Um, okay. So primal, you get the doors open. Before, before we go much further, where did you come up with the names for sure. the hollows and yeah. primal? Mm. I am obsessive about the names. Like um, the hollows, I, there was a restaurant in Vancouver, a bar actually called the Narrows. And it was like super, it was like a long skinny hallway. Yeah. And I thought it was like super cool and we always really liked it. And then when I walked into 
the hall or the golden dragon building, it was like this giant cave. And I was like, this is not the narrows. This is the hollows. <laughs> like it is big. And, um, also it reminded me of like the hollows of the forest, which we really wanted to connect with, um, the forest and yeah. the forests of Saskatchewan and getting our ingredients from like foraging mushrooms and pine tips. We did tons of foraging as well for the menu there. I have such a picture painted in my mind of what this building looked like now, just from you talking about yeah. it. I'm Honestly, sure it's nothing to, like there's bats and there's like, there's moons out all the time. <laughs> check out the Instagram account. <laughs> totally it's like to, yeah, all archived in the Instagram yeah, account. It's, it's so, so cool. cool. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, we, we did that. And primal. Where'd primal come from? Oh primal yeah. So primal. Yeah. Oh yeah. And with the hollows, I also felt like it would be, it would just sounded cool to say like, Hey, I'll meet you down at the hollows. Right. I don't oh, know why. Yeah. Like, I was just like, people are gonna be like, what's the hollows. Yeah. But, and then primal, um, I almost called primal elevator. <laughs> I know I was like, cause okay. So we were like, okay, our whole premise behind primal is that we're in Saskatchewan where we grow most of the world's grain. We're the breadbasket of yep. the world. We want to showcase all this beautiful grain and heritage grains. And so I drove around like in the industrial areas and everywhere around town and like racked my brain. Cause I wanted it to have like remind people of grain, you know? So I was like, grain fields note taken okay <laughs> like grasslands nope oh damn it like granary like no like it was like every like grass name or wheat land or yeah. like anything with wheat or grain was already taken in Saskatchewan mm -hmm. we went through this with the yeah. name of the podcast we were trying to do the same thing and it was yes. like nothing dude nothing. it's all taken it's yeah. all taken and so eventually I was like grain elevator and then I was like elevator elevator um, and then I, I got stuck on elevator for a long time but um then I I don't know I just it came to me it just came to me like primal I Fair think it's because my I started thinking about primal cuts of meat and doing the yeah. whole animal butchery mm. and then getting down to your primal instincts you know like what's what's really important and that's always I think the essence of what I have in my heart and is everything has to have kind of like meaning and be like meaningful for me um to pursue it so yeah. I'm like what is the essence what's what's the when you scrape away everything else, what's, what's left. And it's like the primal instincts and the primal kind of like inherent things, you know? Yeah. So then I really liked primal. Um, but then I was like, it's gotta be taken, you know? And I, <laughs> I researched the shit out of the names. I don't want to be named the same thing as anybody in the world. Oh yeah. wow. Because yeah. I want to be known in the world, not just Saskatoon. So mm -hmm. if I, I want to be like, so I researched the shit out of it back then. There was nothing named primal. There was one like paleo like thing that was primal was paleo something in San Francisco. Right. Um, I was like, that's fine. We're all about grain <laughs> and Stay wheat and yeah. Yeah, yeah, like gluten. So, um, yeah, but I researched the hollows and primal to make sure there's nobody else in the world named that. And then, so, yeah. Has there yeah. been any pop up since? Unfortunately, there's something called primal wine now. Yes, I saw that. I the love other day. their wines. Yeah, they got good wines. <laughs> but I'm so pissed. No, I was like, oh, we have wine at Primal, Primal Wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no. Cease and just uh, sit yeah. on it for a bit. Yeah. Um, okay, so got it named, got it open. Tell us a little bit about, like, that was in 2014. You've been open for six years now, I guess. Yeah. Um, how has that been? Has there been any major struggles that have kind of made you regret opening Primal? Like, you've you operated both up until this year. Yeah. Um, so how was it operating two restaurants? What were the struggles? Um, well, luckily the, the vicinity of the two, they're a block and a half away from each other. Um, and 
This is an interesting fact for business people is we, we made the choice to run them as one business oh. because we couldn't, we were so, we were just one, we were one group of people and we couldn't yeah, right. separate it as hard as we tried. And we wanted to cut as many costs as we could with rent, like share, sharing an order from wherever, whatever farmer we're getting a large order from, we would split that between the two restaurants mm -hmm. so that would be like cheaper to buy in bulk yeah, kind of things. Yeah. And like uh, our beautiful cocktail ice cube machine that we splurged on for the hollows, we didn't have money to buy that for primal. So we would actually carry ice over to primal every day down the block. Yes. <laughs> so like that kind of stuff. Um, also it's like, um, pos uh, you're, you'll, you'll be like, this is illegal, but uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> but like, I guess we'd like run out of vodka at one restaurant and then we just like run a bottle down the alley to right. the next restaurant. Like it would just, it was too intertwined. And also with service staff, like we'd be, be getting crushed at the hollows and primal would have a slow time. So we'd send the hostess down the alley and say, all right, you're at hollows now. That's awesome. Yeah. It was wicked. That's like, a great way to run. It was great. And yeah. if we had like something that we sold at, at we did like a whole animal butchery thing at the hollows then we had braised meat left over we could put that as a pasta special at primal so it was just like a way of keeping every all the costs down yeah uh so that was really cool sorry and i asked this but i can't i don't know if you answered and i forget if you didn't get there but what what was the what was the difference between the two restaurants as far as the menu went and oh yeah um well primal was like strictly our we had one uh thing that connected the two restaurants which was um high quality seasonal and sustainable and like the whole animal butchery and growing the vegetables with the horticulturist. But then other than that, the menus were completely different. It was, um, the primal was just like strictly pasta and like, like bigger portions of prime cuts of meat and the hollows was more, uh, vegetable forward and, um, using like off cuts like tongue and cheek and like different, uh, different things like that. So it was more, yeah. Uh, and the hollows also did a five course tasting menu. So it was more fine dining, uh, more of a special occasion type place. But then we right. also had poutine and a lounge. Yep. So <laughs> it was a little bit of everything. Did people in the community know that these were both under same ownership? Not many people, like some people, but lots of people had no idea. Um, but we really tried to get the word out and until they saw the ice girl running back. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why does primal buy ice from the hollows? Yeah, it was great. And it was also great for business with, um, being able to have a lineup uh, and a wait list at the hollows and then say, Hey, yes, you know what? Good. You can go over to primal right now. We'll call over there. We'll make sure they're waiting for you. Um, the hostess will walk over with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> can you take this ice with you actually? <laughs> yeah, you totally. It's Every like, get your arms full. Can, can you bring this bottle of vodka over? That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So do, is there any more to this story that we want to talk about before we get to what you're doing now. in the public mm -hmm. realm now? I don't think Any so. Any big stories that came out of Primal during that time? No. Okay, so then we'll jump to Wall of Chefs. Yeah. Um, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. Did you just decide, I'm going to be on that show? I flew to... Like, yeah. That's your style. Like, I just walked in and said, I'm one of your chefs now. Yeah, well, that <laughs> like, was like the, like the trippiest thing that's happened to me in a really long time because I was on that show and I was sitting next to Rob Feeney. On, really? Yes. Like, was that so the, the point where you were like... I've done it. Now. Yes. For I was those like, who don't know, this is a Food Network show, right? Yeah. For those who are listening, you might not know what it is, but yeah. Okay. So, so. yeah, Food Network show where they have uh, 12 judges that are all chefs from across Canada. And most of them are like the old guard, like Lynn Crawford and Mark McEwen and Sue Sir Lee and Rob Feeney. And, um, but then they brought some new young uh, visionaries or whatever they called us <laughs> on to, uh, 
Because I think they realize the old guys are getting old. They're and they need some, a little old. They need some new young talent on there. Yes. While we're on the topic of that, is there a difference? Is it like a like a kind of marked difference between older generation chefs and the new like the new visionaries? Is there a style change at some point? Can you um, like, is there a reason why they want to bring in young blood? Is it because you guys are more creative or you experiment more? Or like, is there something like I that? I think that was kind of like, there's definitely a shift in the way that we run our kitchens. Like it's a lot more open to talking about issues and a lot more right. um, lenient and like trying to have more work-life balance, I think. Right. Um, but also I think new techniques, like, um, like the fermentation stuff that all the young kids are doing these days and like cool all fermentation. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's really great. So I do think there's a lot of uh, different techniques and things than like new takes on things that people, that's why they kind of wanted the young generation there, I think. Mm, right. Um, and so the way I got on that show was I kept getting um, emails to invite me to participate on Top Chef Canada. Okay. But like I am not. Why were you getting those emails? Um, I think they're just always scouting for people to be on that show. Like, um, so somebody Googled you or, or yeah. knew about your restaurants. Or, yeah. Okay, and I, okay. I also think cause I'm a woman chef yep. and in Saskatchewan and there's not that many representatives on the prairies. Right. So that was probably part mm -hmm. of it. And Dale McKay was on top chef too. Yeah. Right? Dale McKay. He's from here. Yeah. And he's fantastic. I like love, uh, he was like, he's like the top chef guy. He like season one, won it all. Mm -hmm. Like I, I watched that like, I was obsessed with that show when he was on it. I still love that show. Yeah. So, um, but I just, just couldn't, I'm just not a competition chef. I never, I've never done, like I never went to culinary school mm -hmm. um, and I never did competitions growing up like that. So it's just, I'm more of, yeah, the Martha Stewart jam and less of the like competition. So how fast can you cut onions? Yeah. I just wasn't. I, and I, and with the two restaurants, it like wasn't possible. Like I just was like, I can't leave for like a month or whatever. Yeah. I'm literally running these two restaurants. Like I'm in it. Um, so I would always respond with the same thing. And I would say, uh, no, thank you. But if you ever want a judge, um, I would be happy to be a judge on the food network. And I also have been trying to like figure out how to get my own show eventually. Like I said, back in the day, that was kind of like the goal, the main goal. Mm -hmm. So I've been talking to some public, like publicists and um, producers and stuff. And they, they said maybe it's not the best idea to go on the top chef and I should just keep my image. And they said, perhaps judging would be better. So like, just keep, keep my image clean so that I'm like, not like the lady from top chef season seven, episode right. 13 got kicked off or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. So that was just some advice I'd gotten. So I said, I would be happy to be a judge. And so then they actually finally asked me to be a judge. And I was like, holy shit, that worked. <laughs> Amazing. Right. So you've been doing that now for um, two uh, they shot the two seasons actually all at once. Back to oh, back. Okay. Yeah. That's why it's super confusing for everyone with COVID-19 and everything. Why, um, you why, get how am I there and <laughs> hugging all these people? And yeah. yeah, it's because it was before. So yeah. Cause I don't care. Yeah. Cause, oh, I care. Oh, I care. <laughs> okay. So, um, how's that? And you're loving that. I assume that's like kind of right up your alley. You're, is it shot in Toronto? It was shot in Toronto, yeah. So back to Toronto, kind of back to your modeling days, yep. kind of being in front of the camera. Yep. And so And your passion together. Like, that's got to be amazing. Oh, it was so cool. It was like full circle, like such an amazing experience. I was just like, 
I learned so much though. Like I'm such an amateur. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> like those guys are such pros. Like even like Dale, oh my God, Dale's just yeah. like a, he's a natural. He's got, he's been behind the camera for years, you know? Right. Um, I, that was my first time and it was, I learned a lot and I. Scary. I, I take it. Yeah. Well, it, I was, I just learned so much about yeah. how to act. Cause you don't want to just. You just don't know how to act till you watch how it all goes down. And Come now, on, you've been at the bank with your suit and a briefcase. Yeah. You've acted, yeah, you had it. I am here for a mortgage. <laughs> um, it, are you committed beyond this? Was that a two season thing and now you're uh, not sure? Or? I'm not sure now. So okay. yeah, we'll see. So, Everything's just so un uncertain at this time. So. Yeah. Awesome. So what does the future hold for you? Um, Work-life balance, work -life I think. Work-life balance. Yeah. And... I don't know. I, I just think I'm laying low right now, but, um, feeling it out, laying low. I've definitely like taken entrepreneurship seriously mm -hmm. and I've tried to work on my business rather than in my business, mm -hmm. like work myself out of a job in, in the business so that I'm able to actually see the bigger picture and work on bigger projects and expanding. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at now, which is a really cool place to be. But with downsizing to the one restaurant, I'm kind of taking some much needed time. Like I realized I've been hustling in the restaurant business for almost for like 23 years or something. That's crazy. Jeez. That's like 12 hour days for like 23 years. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I don't know. My life is just like passing me by. So I'm trying to, like I said, stare at the wall a little bit and just slow think. down. And right. yeah. I do think I'm going to like reinvent myself and just explode with this new <laughs> inspiration, but not, not time yet. Yeah. You'll be back on the podcast when that happens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you alluded to it. Hall, the hollows is as of this year is, is now closed. Yeah. Um, what led to that decision? Um, 100% the teardown of the building. Like mm. I kept making jokes that I, we, they kept giving us like these short term leases, but it, they just kept extending them and kept extending them. And it was like, um, we were about to sign another three year lease for like, it was like our ninth year. Um, and then the fire inspector shut us, shut the whole thing down. So right. um, my joke was that I was like, I, I'm going to continue to sign these short-term leases, but I'll be like, like 80 being like just another year. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost over. Yeah, it's yeah. soon. But um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was just, honestly, I do believe in everything happens at the perfect, like I'm just like cruising and everything happens perfectly at the right time. And that it just couldn't have been a better time. So obviously. you were ready. you like, you were ready to, to yeah. scale back a little bit. I, well, I not scale back, but as, like it took downsize. a while for it to sink in that they were going to tear down the building. And then once it did, I was like, no, this is a good thing. I fought, we fought it. We definitely fought oh, it. Really? Yeah. We fought it hard. We, the building was supposed to get torn down in February, um, of last year. Right. Um, actually when I was at Noma, they, my, I like, there's like a 12 hour time difference or something. And the, my partner was calling me being like, they're tearing down the building. <laughs> oh no. Like, we got a, a big orange notice on the front window that said like, like you are getting torn down in like February. And this was like in November or something. So they just put up a sign. Yeah. And the landlords had known, but we, they, we didn't know. So until they sp stuck the sign up there. So yeah, we definitely, we got, we got it extended until 
um, September for the teardown. So mm -hmm. we had time to vacate the building and we, we hoped to have like a huge celebration and like pack the place all summer and all that stuff. But then the COVID happened. So course, yeah. boom, just, I got to pack the place up in peace. It was nice. It was easy. Yeah. Was, <laughs> nice. I sold everything out of there. It was crazy. Really? Yeah. I did story sales on the Instagram and like sold every little salt shaker and wow. every little, everything I had gathered. I sold it all. Awesome. It's awesome. That's so cool. So Noma, tell us about how, how, how did you get there? I guess, first of all, what is Noma? How did you end up there? Why did you end up there? Yeah. So Noma has been an inspiration to me since I was at Feeney's. Like the French laundry was kind of like our Bible, which was like, it's our, that's Thomas Keller's restaurant mm -hmm. in um, Napa Valley. But uh, shortly after that came out, the Noma cookbook came out and we were all just like obsessed with this cookbook. Um, so Noma was, um, voted the best restaurant in the world by San Pellegrino, like four times in a row. Like they're just doing some things that no one else has been doing at Like they're, yeah. they're crazy what they're doing there. So I went uh, to Copenhagen for a stage um, to work at a different restaurant. And when I was there, I visited Noma um, for a tour and uh, actually the head of fermentation is David Zilber. David Zilber. Yeah. And I know him from working in Vancouver. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Like he back in the day around that time. Yeah. We were in Vancouver at the same time and we both had, I had like a little blog that I would write. It was kind of like a dear diary, like, Oh, well, this is what happened to me today at my <laughs> cooking job. I put capers in the fryer and they all fell through the basket. No, oh, no. And, um, he had a, like a beautiful photography kind of blog as well. And so we were admiring each other's blogs and, um, became friends. And so then when I was in Copenhagen, I visited with him, he gave me a tour and I was, it reminded me of the, like, I, it reminded me of the hollows. That's they had, so cool. they had bees, they had gardens, they yeah. had all these things going on. And, um, they were growing like different experimental things. And, um, so I was just blown away by it. And I think he saw my face, like just being like, this is the greatest I think I've ever seen. And he was like, do you want to intern here? And I like immediately was like, like, I can't, cause how am I going to leave my restaurant? But then I was like, told my team that I got invited and they were like, oh my God, you have yeah, to do you it. You have to go. Yeah. So then they pulled together, which was a huge uh, step up for us in business as well, because I like leveled everybody up so that I was able to go. So that's like part of working on the business, not in the business. Yeah. And so, um, it was, it was awesome. How long were you there for? Um, I was there for three months and it was like the hardest I've ever worked. Really? Yeah. Which is crazy. It like really shocked me. Like, uh, having two restaurants and working super hard, it, that, that Noma was harder. Really? Yeah. Why, was. why do you think that was, was it you putting yourself, like making yourself work harder or was it just a different pace there? It's like to be the best in the world, you need to right kill yourself right. like i don't know how these people are alive like, like every day it's insane guys, yeah. it's like 14 to 16 hour days i'm i'm like i like a good 12 hour day like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 14, 16 hours is really killing me here guys yeah and like i don't know I, I had to wear like the support socks to keep the blood up in my feet and like i thought my shoes were broken for the first two weeks because like my feet were so fucked and um lifting heavy things like there's so much heavy lifting there like in the fermentation lab there's like 25 liter buckets of like miso and stuff that yeah. you have to lift onto top shelves and like many many of them and rotating things and just grinding tons of grain like standing on a stool with this huge immersion blender like i i got so i was in such good shape when i got back like i was ripped like it was crazy so it was like really really hard but it was the best i've learned 
in, invaluable information. Yeah, I take Amazing. it you brought a lot of that stuff to your, to Primal now. Yeah, and actually I haven't had a chance to do anything with that yet because I got back and hit the ground running with packing up the hollows and the whole mm. the whole fighting the teardown and then the, the closing and then the COVID. Yep. And then, so I haven't set up my fermentation kind of like setup that I want to set up, but I, I have big plans to do a lot of stuff with some really cool Saskatchewan ingredients and like see what kind of flavors I can get out of that. Cool. So, so what, cool. what, aside from that, aside from like tweaking and playing and learning with primal, do you have any other big aspirations that you're kind of on the near term future that you're exploring? Um, expansion or other or than, well, pursuing more TV or number one. Well, definitely I've, I'm, I'm always pursuing TV always like <laughs> from day I'm still right now pursuing TV. Yeah. Um, so that, and then I would love to write a book, um, about like a kitchen confidential style, like oh, yeah. tell all like, but from like a, my perspective, yeah. like a modern woman chef type thing. Um, so that's something I would love to do. Uh, I like in the short term, I'd love to um, make money. <laughs> you know, like I, I like money. I'd yeah. like to get more of it. So yeah. at least like, $20,000 more. Cause yeah. I can do a lot of shit with $20,000. Exactly. <laughs> and, but it's just, that's the thing is like restaurants are like the profit margins are so small. So mm -hmm. you have to be really creative to make money in this business. But I think I got right. what it takes and I think I can do I it. I would say so. But right. yeah, we're thinking about expanding primal seating capacity and doing a little wine bar. So, and like, I think that's pretty groundbreaking to be expanding in the middle of COVID. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we can do it on a shoestring budget and I think we can make some money out of it. So awesome. Yeah. No doubt you can. Um, no, I'm excited for this question from you especially, but what would your advice be for others that are looking not necessarily to open a restaurant, but just to open a business? There's a lot of mm -hmm. people that sit there and sit at home and dream about doing their thing or starting a business. Mm -hmm. You didn't sit around too much. You just went out there and did it. What would your advice be to somebody in that same situation? Um, my number one advice would be start small. Don't put too much money into it off the bat and build up. Because I think so many people, especially with restaurants, I just can't stand to see another restaurant like put a million dollars into their decor and like mm -hmm. design, like ripping out an existing kitchen to put in like a $200,000 kitchen. Yep. It's like, maybe maybe don't you know like yeah. maybe like use what you got use what you have and then if that works out then put in the two hundred fifty thousand mm -hmm. dollar right. kitchen when you have the money don't get into debt get a five hundred dollar limit credit card right <laughs> yeah exactly i have to say that my eyes were a little bit opened um when homestead opened in regina yep. um when less and josh opened homestead because we were there and before because they owned that space before with a different business and they were transitioning it. And yeah. we were there when they were literally hand painting some uh, chairs, chairs that they had bought out of the basement of a church or something for yeah. next to nothing. And I'm, and I'm sitting there looking at it going like, is this going to fly? Like this is, this is really, really like, <laughs> like, I love is that. Every, and yeah, it's it supposed to be a high-end cool. place, right? And so I was like, is there a disconnect here? Or are people going to love this? And no. it turns out people are loving it. Yeah, so that's we're still that's open, great. So. I love that. But I thought it was so cool that they were just like, they were going to start this thing from, from very little. It's right? all about, like, to be an entrepreneur, you have to, like, look at what you have and try to, like, have that mentality. We have everything we need right here. Yeah. How can we make it work with yeah. what we have? Yeah. Because what you have is, is good. And I, I can't stand to see another 
restaurant throw out a whole bunch of brand new chairs because they want different chairs. It's yeah. like, that's not what, that's, you don't, it doesn't work like that. Uh-huh. Well, and because yeah. restaurants like live and die by their food, like out of the kitchen, yeah. like you said before, right? And yeah. you do like the flash only lasts for so long. Mm-hmm. Like a, a restaurant's only really super fancy and impressive the first time you visit it. Totally. And then it's got to be more about the experience and the food and whatever. It's like yeah. the, the decor is really secondary. Well, yeah. that's a huge lesson from the hollows is the decor was not for everyone. Like <laughs> yeah. lots of people complained about the decor and with, but they kept coming back. But again probably again for others, it was, food. it was part of the experience oh, for absolutely. a lot of others too, yeah. right? It's either you get it or you don't with, yeah. with a place like that. But yeah, with Primal, it, it looks very high end, um, like, but it, it we didn't do anything. We just uncovered what was already there. Once right. again, it's still the same chairs and tables that came with the place. And so cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. We're going to get to some fun questions now here before yes. we wrap it up. Uh, but this is the one we like to ask is, do you have an, any unusual habits or like pet peeves that other people have about you that you do that other either your coworkers or your relationships are like, do you even understand what you're doing when you do that? Like, yeah. is there something? I smash glassware. On purpose? Yes. Out of anger? No. Just for fun? Cause? Out of, uh, like, f- festive. Like, like, <laughs> okay. like, like nobody worry. It's, everything's <laughs> going to be okay. Smash. <laughs> like, I don't know. Why? Because it gets attention well, from people? Or? Because... I can. Fair enough. <laughs> it's my glass. <laughs> it's my glass that I bought at Value Village for 25 cents. Yeah, it's right. made of real crystal. And like, I think it all started um, at a staff party. One of my uh, staff accidentally smashed one of my crystal glasses and was devastated. And so I was trying to make them feel better. So I picked one up and said, no, it's okay. And just smashed it. That's amazing. But then I got a f- real taste you for really it. You really liked it. Oh, Yeah. At the hollows in the basement, I had a smash room. <laughs> they, they had to make me a special room because they were like, oh, the staff, they're like, the staff, my manager is so awesome. She, she was like, so we're not going to tell you to stop smashing stuff, but the staff's getting a little tired of picking up broken glass. <laughs> I was going to say, who cleans it up? Yeah. Uh, not me. Smash, gone. <laughs> yes. And so um, she's like, so we have a compromise. And then she, she got me this sweet, sweet cement room in the basement where I could just like take, I would take guests down there. Like I'd be like, who wants to smash something? And we would just like let her rip. And I'd, I'd be like, just, just think of something that makes you like all riled up, like good or bad or whatever. And then just like whip the glass at the, at the floor or the wall, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Is it therapeutic for you? Oh you yeah. feel better it, after it's just like, fun. Just, and like, yeah. it's like things are meant to be used and to be, be experienced. And like, like if, I don't know, I just love, I'd rather smash, like not smash it, but like then see it sit in a, I'd, I would rather smash it than have it sit in a box unused for generations. Mm, mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's weird. That's my weird thing that yeah, people, people don't like it. That's, that's a cool one. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that one thoroughly. So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere in the world and it could say anything on it, getting your message out to millions of people, what would it say? Oh my God. That's such a hard question. That's like super hard. I don't know. <laughs> got her. Finally you, got yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. I was, I wish I could say I just had like a good, yeah. a good one for that. Fair enough. But she seems like the type that's kind of said what she wants to say. Yeah. To I people think people that are listening, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like follow what's your left heart. Unsaid. Follow your heart. <laughs> get, get a $500 credit card. Yes. Yeah. Basically <laughs> get a $500 credit card and don't and make sure to pay it off every time. Have you ever done a float session? Yes. 
diving? Like the what, like the float Violet. where you like yeah. float? Yeah, yeah, yeah of Tell course. Tell us about it. I'm weird. I've, I do all the weird stuff, like yeah, the hallucinogenic drugs, the like floating, like the all at the same it, time. The anything I can get my hands on, <laughs> like the weirder the better. So I wanted all the like the crazy experiences because I heard you can like hallucinate in those. I've heard chambers. that as well. Yeah. Um, weirdly, like. I, I'm always super cold. Like I'm freezing all the time yeah. and I have a hot tub and I spend 90% of my time in the hot tub. Like I'm in there <laughs> twice a day. I'm obsessed with hot tubs. It's like my office. Um, so that was just like a little, like my body temp just couldn't get right with the water, but, um, I did get like lost in it. Like it's so it's pitch black. You can't feel like it is trippy. Like I, I felt like I was falling a couple times, which was like really crazy, Whoa. like falling through space. And like, I even like splashed myself with the water. Cause I like had jolted because I thought I was falling. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that was really crazy. And then I, I could hear things that I'm sure weren't there, like, t like music and things like that, which was weird. Yeah. That's really that's, cool. That's I've done one cool. one time. I didn't have that experience. It was actually very frustrating for me, but I want to go back and try it again. Cause I heard the first time it's tough to just let go and, and yeah. experience it. So I'll make a point of that. Do you have a favorite childhood toy? Do you remember growing up and like, there was one, like these old vintage toys and nostalgia toys. is kind of coming back a little bit. So do you remember one that was like really kind of your favorite? I don't know. Like, give me an example. What's your favorite? Well, I, well, I've never had that. What's your favorite? Oh, <laughs> snap. Um, the reason I, this is relevant to me right now is because I went to Costco the other day and they have pound puppies. Do you remember pound oh, puppies? Yeah. And so I had to buy one for my boys. So I was like, I don't even know why they're not going to care, but I was I'm like, I totally those. forgot about pound puppies. Boom, yeah. boom. In the cart, oh, they wow. went. So I don't like, I was a big Lego kid. I don't know if I can't think of, um, there was this one cool thing that, uh, I, my mom still has like packed away to this day that I don't know where she got it, but it's called marble works. And okay. it was like a bunch of like piece plastic pieces that had all different shapes that you would attach in different ways. And then you'd put marbles down them oh, and yeah. it would be like oh, yeah. a spiral and then like a zigzag. And like, I, it was like the coolest. I just spent time, lots of time playing marble works. I remember we spent a lot of time playing mouse trap, the board game, mouse but trap was not, cool. not actually playing it, just setting it up and then have Trapping. the marble travel through and drop the cage. Or there was one, the little spinning machines where you put the paint in and like it was battery driven. Ooh. It would spin the little canvas and then you dump your paint in and it would like make this yeah. cool tie-dye stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Those were fun too. Kerplunk. Cool. Mm. The, the, the game that sounded fun until you had to set it up. Yeah, I have that now. <laughs> I never played it as a kid, but I have it now and my three-year-old, it's no fun to play with them. No, because it takes it's like, like okay, 20 minutes turn. to put these sticks well, All in. gone. Yeah. You're like, I just... <laughs> Yes, you know how long minutes. it took me? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, that's good. Okay, well, I want to thank you for coming down and meeting yes, us here out of you. your busy day. I know you're you're probably slammed as like always, but yeah. um, this is exactly what we want to be doing with everybody's learning their stories and yours mm -hmm. is incredibly cool and I'm, I'm glad to have yeah, sat here and listened to your story and whatnot. So thanks for giving us an hour and a half of your time. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, do you, is there any place where people can follow you on social yeah. media? Yeah, um, I'm a big Instagram person and my personal Instagram is called crust in the kitchen. Yep. So cool. Check me out. Follow up, follow word. crust in the kitchen on Instagram. Yeah. There we go. Awesome. Christy, thanks so much for joining us. We'll uh, see you guys all next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to another inspirational story of entrepreneurship on The Other 18 with Shane and Bryce. Want to be on the show or know someone who should be? DM us on Instagram at The Other 18 Podcast. Keep grinding.